Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I am doing an extended version of my Q&A Coaches Corner because I had more questions and the last podcast, I didn't get through all of them. So I am just getting back home from Washington, D.C. or Alexandria, Virginia at the, I was just at the Ben Weeder Naturals. So there were seven glam girls that competed. We had 14 first call outs and I believe we had eight medals. It was an incredible, incredible time. Uh, these ladies are just absolutely wonderful and it just really fills my cup. Um, it was so great to be able to talk to Becky one-on-one after the show about all seven athletes and get the feedback. Some of the buzzwords that I was hearing were uh, better core control and just working on ab vacuums in general. So that's definitely something that we kind of took back that we we definitely do that at Glam Girl, but that's something that we're going to really focus on, um, you know, doing daily or just me like reinforcing it in the programming um, and kind of getting better with that while we're on stage for longer periods of time. So just really progressively overloading that amount of time that an athlete can really hold the core in that TVA, the transverse abdominis while they're on stage. Um, other things to know this year, there were way more people, first of all, uh, than last year, but they, dwindled the open categories down from it was A through H and they put it A through F. So there were, you know, last year there were some classes that didn't have like um, a second call out and things like that for the majority. Um, They were small enough for that. But this year, almost every class had a second call out and it was pretty big. So um, one other thing to note too is they changed the ruling on, um, first of all, eligibility. So previously, the year before, it was you had to have a drug-tested event in your state and have competed in that to be eligible to get beat at the Ben Weeder. Or um, if you don't have one in your state, then you're eligible no matter what. You didn't have to have like a previous competition. Like, for example, last year we had someone representing Italy and they were living in the United States. So it was definitely a worldwide thing, um, especially the pros. I mean, I met somebody that was all the way from Singapore. She had a 23-hour flight to get there. Um, and I met another person from Japan. So it was definitely an international show, especially on the pro side of things. And with the amateurs, um, they did just require that you participate in an MPC event in 2022 or 2023. And then Another thing that changed is they used to do the overall, um, you know, they took the overall 50, they took the overall 40, overall 35, and then did a complete overall of the three masters overall winners to reward the one pro card. But something to really note there is that in bikini, only masters 35 got awarded a pro card. So there was just class A and class B and the, they were huge classes, the master's classes, like everything in the sport, um, I feel like the master's classes are growing every year exponentially. And um, so, yeah, one pro card was awarded to the 35 plus, and then one was awarded to the overall open B. 
bikini. Um, they did have novice there at that show. So it had like the vibe kind of of a regional show, but um, definitely um, pro qualifier status when it came to the bodies that showed up. So I was super pleased for so many of the glam girls to be in the call outs and to get so many medals and place so many top five uh, spots. You know, it was it was pretty incredible. So my cup is definitely full after that weekend. And um, I wanted to jump right into one of the questions that I was asked. And this one comes from our listener, uh, Christy Hutter. And her question was, is being on birth control during training prep competing a bad thing? I've heard lots of talk about girls losing their cycle when prepping, but what if you don't have one being uh, due to being on birth control? I prefer to have an IUD because I don't get periods and I'm a fan. However, if the hormones and birth control would potentially hinder progress or performance in the gym, it's something I would potentially do without. So thank you, first of all, Christy, for the question. And with birth control, I have competed when I've been on birth control. You know, it's more important to not have a baby. Um, if you have goals to compete, um, if that's, you know, what you need to be doing, I think it's 100% the woman's choice, like what they want. Um, I do think that, you know, if you read Dr. Jolene Brighton's book, Beyond the Pill, you'll learn a little bit about like post cycle, um, or I'm sorry, post pill syndrome, which is a basically like a rebound effect where you have a really hard time losing body fat and metabolism slightly changes. Um, the pill does deplete certain um, vitamins and minerals from your body. And so while the hormones are kind of like relearning how to adjust back to like what their normal levels would be, uh, because it does suppress um, the progesterone. So it does make a woman pretty much all the time estrogen dominant. All of the hormones are basically lower. So you don't really so my suggestion is like when I suggest blood work for a female, I'll tell them to draw it like on, from their first day of bleeding to their 21st day um, to kind of measure what their hormones are on day 21 um, around that time that they would likely be ovulating because that would be when progesterone would be at its highest and you'd be able to capture that reading. Um, in this case, you know, obviously progesterone helps us get pregnant and it multiplies once you get pregnant. Um, so the pill basically will suppress that. There are different forms of birth control. Um, you know, if it's non-hormonal, if it's hormonal, there's, I mean, literally, I would just suggest reading that book, Beyond the Pill, you will learn so much about um, the different types, kind of what they do, um, where they create deficiencies and things like that. I know for me, like my liver, um, because I was on oral birth control for so long, um, you know, one of the phases of my liver, it's, it's not as optimal functioning if I don't take like a liver detox um, regularly and things like that. So long term, I mean, it's great. I mean, in terms of like preventing having babies and things like that, but um, we know if you are estrogen dominant, which is what some 
uh, birth control forms can do, then you know that it's harder to basically lose body fat, especially when we're estrogen dominant, we collect a little bit more fat in our legs and our hips and the back of our triceps. Sometimes it can make us insulin resistant. Um, in that case, you know, you're not going to be able to metabolize and utilize carbs as easily. Um, you'll have a hard time regulating blood sugar. And so that's my two cents. I just, I, you know, it's a personal choice. If there's probably a lot of pros and things that, that utilize birth control, um, it just might be an easier road if you use something like, um, alternative forms, we'll put it that way, um, that don't kind of shift your hormones, if that makes sense. So, um, that's kind of my thoughts. Uh, but yeah, I definitely highly recommend, um, beyond the pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton, really good read. All right. Uh, next question. So this question is kind of like a personal question about me. Um, I'll go ahead and ask it. Michelle, thank you for the question. Uh, she asked me, what was my journey from figure to bikini? So when I first started out in 2011, bikini was brand new and I did a logo competition. I saw a girl at the gym. She was teaching a kickboxing class at the local YMCA and she brought in this picture of her um, that she had competed in figure. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, she looks incredible. And I was missing the competitive side of staying in, you know, like I had college softball previously and, you know, I had a goal that was like, you know, geared towards athletics and things like that. And I was kind of missing that after I had my kids, I just really wanted something to, you know, I thought it was pretty cool that fitness and nutrition could be like a sport, um, that you could win something to do, um, with that. So I pursued it. I hired a, a local trainer and at the time they didn't have bikini at the local show, um, because it had just come out, I think in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe 2010. So when I kind of thought about this, it was in 2010 and I, I took, you know, some time to build and grow and lean out, um, and shape my body. And I got nationally qualified in figure, um, I did get fourth. I didn't do it bad, but I just, I would weigh like 115 pounds. Um, back then figure was more like the bikini body in terms of it wasn't as massive as it is now. Um, now pretty much you have to do performance enhancers to, you know, GoPro or do well in figure. You have to have massive martini glass lats and capped, um, round, round shoulders. But, uh, yeah, so, it was definitely much smaller then, but I did see the bikini competitors. So it was the first year that in my hometown, they had added this bikini division. There were only like two of them, but I looked at their bodies and I just thought, first of all, like they look like they're having so much more fun. Um, the head judge told me that I needed to eat. He grabbed my arm. I looked like Skeletor when I did figure. And um, unfortunately, I didn't have a great experience. I had a coach that just gave me a packet of paper. She never did check-ins with me. Um, I was on way too low of calories, way too much cardio. Um, I had a pretty healthy metabolism prior to that, and it just kind of really just destroyed it, um, which is why I like to get my hands on my athletes before they 
have any sort of other coaching experience because I think it's so important when you have someone's health in your hands to really like make sure they have as much food as possible and make sure they aren't doing like doing as minimal amount of cardio as possible. So uh, the following year, I decided to do bikini and I, again, this time got fourth as well, but um, I had a lot more fun. Um, I wasn't starving. I wasn't, um, I was just enjoying it. And I just felt like my structure at the time was like more catered to that physique since I, I'm like a person that has more, way more glutes than I do upper body. Um, and then, yeah, so it was, it was a great fit and here I am 30 shows later (laughs) and, um, yeah, I'm, that's kind of my story on that, Michelle. Um, I had somebody ask me this weekend, um, if I was going to compete this year or wins my next show and, I put my athletes first and I put also obviously my family first. Those are really important factors to me and um, they align with my moral values and things like that. So I'm always going to put my athletes before me and I never compete against my athletes. And I, at this point, you know, genetically, I don't have the muscle to like go pro in the IFBB. I do competing to enjoy it for myself. So Really, I just want to share the love of the sport with other women. And, um, you know, this year, things with like the family schedule and my athlete schedule didn't line up and I'm totally fine with it. I I have different goals for next year and I am loving being a coach. You know, I think about the people that are the top coaches to the top Olympians and things and um you know, most of them are not IFBB pros. Um, I think because when you have to work for it, when you have to really try every single thing and you go after it for years, like I have for 12 years, I think if a pro card would have come easy to me, or if I would have been guided to even know what a national stage was, I think I got nationally qualified 15 times before I even knew what nationals were or how to get a pro card. By that time, I think my physique was like out muscled for the sport, if that makes sense. So I think that if I would have had guidance and like a faster track to nationals and known what that meant, I probably could have back in the day gone pro. But at this point, um, I'm really glad that, you know, I guess that I had like some bad experiences to learn from so that I could try to make things way better for my athletes. And, you know, through each experience, you learn something and it's a gift in terms of, um, you know, just learning ways to do things better, um, in my opinion. And so I've been able to experiment on myself and try different methods and things. And it just really over time has, um, given me the opportunity to really just work with thousands of women, um, over the last 10 years. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool. And somebody was also asking me, like, you know, do you coach men? And um, I used to. So I used to when I was first starting, when men's physique first came out, it was its first year. I that's when it was just like a guy off the beach um, in board shorts, 
they didn't have to have a lot of muscle. And so I got a lot of, you know, top spot men's physique competitors placing, you know, top three, top five. And um, that happened for just like a couple years. And then it just started to grow and grow. So then I like started to put men into drug tested events, but there just weren't really many back then um, in terms of drug tested events. Now there's a lot more opportunities. There wasn't even um, like a Ben Weeder, you know, where you could get a pro card as a drug tested athlete. So I think with men, it's a little bit more um, tricky in terms of typically they have to have like a lot more gear. Um, The two people I've turned pro, you know, they were natural athletes. And I think in certain divisions for the women, it's very realistic. And, you know, some people do need a little bit of enhancement and that's okay. Um, And sometimes that's what it takes to go pro as well. But I guess what I'm getting at is I like to specialize in one population because I feel like the more you focus on the same thing and the more you study, the more hours you spend. um, First of all, the female body is way different than the male body. And I think the more women I've trained over the years and over time, um, you know, in, and I've trained like bikini wellness figure and fitness. And those are the categories I'll touch. I women's physique and women's bodybuilding. I, I don't go down that route, but, um, I've just noticed over time that the more I specialize, the more knowledge I get specifically to that. And when, you train other divisions like classic physique, men's physique, and you train women and men, it's like you're kind of dividing your time. And so you're getting less time spending on one category, if that makes sense. So for me, it's it's important that I, you know, I am female owned and operated business, but I do that specifically just like like you wouldn't go for heart surgery to your general practitioner doctor. Um I don't want to be just like a general practitioner in the world of bodybuilding. I want to be a specialist and those people have to spend a lot more hours. They spend a lot more time um, specializing in that one particular thing. And to me, like I, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it very well. I don't want to just sprinkle my, you know, knowledge and kind of like do things a little bit like 80%, 90%. I want to be, the best coach that I possibly can be. So that kind of answers that question. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but uh, okay, let's move on to the next question. And this question is, what is the difference between a bodybuilder that is focused on hypertrophy versus power building? And this is an excellent question. So with power lifting, in general, let's just talk about like the definition of what that is. We don't talk about it that much on this show um, since we are hypertrophy people here on the prep life. But um, basically the power lifter is focused on, that's an athlete focused on increasing their strength and their explosive power, trying to add velocity to, um, you know, lifts and uh, movements. So basically they're maxing out on their squat, their bench and their deadlift. And then basically that total amount is added up 
And then usually like a strength to weight ratio is calculated using what's called the Wilkes coefficient. So that's kind of the definition of uh, powerlifting. And then when we talk about hypertrophy, um, specifically with hypertrophy, we're talking about bodybuilders. They are trying to focus on gaining muscle definition and size, and their goals are much different um, than a power lifter. So when the two merge, the basically they've been calling it power building. And power building is a hybridization of both of the sports. And basically what they're kind of trying to do is blend like the dietary practices and some of the uh, respective training styles together. So, um, you know, to me, like a power builder is like a bodybuilder that's trying to get as strong as possible. And then, uh, or they're like a power lifter that also wants to focus on and prioritize um, aesthetics as well as strength. So remember like with hypertrophy, you're going to grow a size of your muscle. You're going to work on your aesthetics of your physique and how you look, your shape, all of that. Whereas powerlifting might not necessarily get you a very good shape. Um, in fact, I've had clients that come over from powerlifting and transition into bikini and they come out very boxy looking. So because their spine needs to be supported for these lifts and they have to lift as much weight as possible, they're kind of blocky, like a SpongeBob SquarePants where they've overly developed obliques, their waistline is pretty big, uh, they tend to brace rather than vacuum, and um, it becomes like not the shape that bikini wants, obviously. You want an hourglass, not a brick. <laughs> and so it becomes one of those things that we have to like reshape their bodies completely. So when you try to mix them together, whenever you're going after some sort of endeavor that's a completely different type of goal, you're going to lose momentum in some area. So like, for example, if you're, again, splitting your time between, you know, maybe in your off season, you're doing powerlifting and then during your preps, you're doing hypertrophy focused, you're going to lose like basically gains in one of the other. So you're not going to get as strong as you possibly could be if you want to like be a power lifter. So it's important to focus on power lifting training if you want to get to your max strength and be able to lift as much weight as possible. The goals aren't congruent. And so when you also, you know, are trying to look go for aesthetics and trying to be a bodybuilder, but you're also trying to power lift, you're not going to get the aesthetics that you want. You're not going to get the full benefit of hypertrophy and your shape is going to suffer. You're just not going to be proficient in either one is basically what it comes down to, which is why I would never recommend that to a client to try to combine powerlifting and hypertrophy together. Um, other things to know is just, um, I mean, I think, you know, there's a, a greater risk of getting injured in powerlifting and that could really set you back, um, when it comes to 
hypertrophy, hypertrophy goals are a little bit safer for the muscles. You know, we're working on like time under tension and things like that and kind of control and technique and things like that. So um, when you're putting like force on something as going as heavy as possible, there's just a greater risk for injury in that scenario. So that's, those are all the questions that I got. Thank you so much, everybody for um, asking those. And I really appreciate it. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. I think that this is a good opportunity to really just focus on family. As I always say, you know, people really don't care that you're eating at, you know, grazing at the the table or wherever, whatever it is you do for your traditions or how much pie you eat or anything like that. They care about the time they get to spend with you. So focus on people, maybe, you know, incorporate some family walks outside, get out in nature if it's nice enough weather or do like a fun activity together around the holidays. Maybe it's bowling that you like to do or whatever it may be. But I think that it's important that um, you know, when we talk about food, not to overstress about it either. So, you know, if you get a weekly refeed, incorporate your Thanksgiving there, or maybe talk to your coach about doing an intuitive day where you just focus on like a protein goal or a calorie goal, just so that you're not stressed um, in that situation. But drink lots of water, always have some sort of drink in your hand while you're dabbling in the festivities. And I always like to keep myself busy with a puzzle or I'll help out like with dishes or um, I just do some things in the kitchen that kind of keep my hands busy. But I always like to visit with people too. So it's super important to break bread and enjoy that time. So I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you have safe travels and we will see you on the next one. If you would like to tag us on your story that you listened today, please let us know what you thought of it. You can find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for your unicorn prep, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button and we can set up a phone consultation from there. If you feel it in your heart, please leave us a rating and review. It just really helps other people that are interested in the same topics find us. And if you are watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below on what your plans are for Thanksgiving and how you are going to live out the prep life doing so. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off. Thanks for listening, guys.